Shar, and welcome to the Friday Night Movie Podcast. Today we have a very exciting guest, someone that Lily and I, I mean, all of us are, but Lily and I especially are very excited to have with us on the pod. But before we introduce our guest, Lily went a bit on a bit of a magical adventure. I did. If you will. And I was wondering, just, just catch us up on this. So I'm in your wonderful wizarding adventure. I'm in Philadelphia and the Franklin Institute, which is this massive science museum. Famous for the giant heart. It has, it has that giant heart exhibit like, where you can right. climb through the aortas and, and like walk through a work, wait. A so I'm sorry. Heart. So this is a science museum that then doing a magical a, exhibit, doing a magical <laughs> exhibit. But they, it's it's. Are like, we think, saying that Harry Potter is real? Is real? Is that? I guess is I that guess the children, connection? Let me tell you something. To children and adults, it seems to be because it seems like me and Dad were the only people that were like, "What the hell is this?" And wait, the entire and, time. And as I understand so, it, you and Dad had to go through a chunk of the museum just the two by of you, ourselves, so not even with a fan. And Dad and you, and it's they do it kind of like Universal Studios. I think they really use that like model for the curation of this exhibit because you start off in a room that's it's, it's beautifully curated I, I was so impressed with just how they mounted this thing it does feel more like a ride or something you'd see at a theme park than a museum it was spectacular that you're in a room and, and all the sides of the room are screens and it's as if you're in the train station so the right is one platform the left is another your name is up on things because there's like a, a bracelet with your identity and you have to, it follows you around through the whole thing. It's very well done. And you have to be in this room with the group of people you're with. But of course, nobody waited for us. So they, they went through because we were a little bit late. And dad just turns to the, like one of the people in the exhibit and he's just, sorry, can we just skip this? And we're trying to find my nieces and stuff. And they're like, no, <laughs> dad is the only person. Dad, to- dad's <laughs> like, I, my, my, my granddaughters are ahead and they went through this already. And we have a baby with it. We just want to like get to them. Can, we don't need to see this. And you part. had your, your almost two-year-old. Yeah. I 20 month old who loved it. He was just like what? running around the whole entire thing. And, um, <laughs> Uh, and the lady was like horrified. She's like, what do you know? You cannot skip this. You have to stay in this room till this video is finished. <laughs> and so we made it up with the rest of the group. Your wife had infinite patience with me because I don't understand a lot of what's going on, but I ask a lot of questions. So it's super annoying. What was and like, give me an example of a good question that you asked. I don't, I don't know. I, I like when you saw the giant dragon or the chamber of secrets or the, I said, what secrets are inside? And she said a snake. And I was like, I, that makes no sense. And she tried to explain <laughs> that one to me. <laughs> and I was like, but it says secrets. And there's like these big snakes on the out. I was like waiting for something so intense and magical inside. And she was like, it's just like a giant snake that they're hiding. I had a lot of questions about like genetics. So they genetics. have, all, yes, because they had all this stuff about muggles and mud bloods and half bloods and born bloods and all that stuff. And I was just like, <laughs> I, I, cause they have the, um, the, the lineage of one of the families or something that you can that they created for the movie but they put it on display and i had a lot of questions and Allie was just like trying to keep it together (laughs) answering these questions but you get to go under the stairs they have harry's i guess where he lives at home (laughs) with his muggle family i learned 
and you can the kids like got to go in his bed under the stairs which is so cute and then there was a very big debate about um at dinner because then my cousin came to dinner and she had a lot to say about this that the my cousin danielle shout out to her that who's the ultimate real bad guy of the movie is it that one woman who likes pink because you got to sit in her office she was a head some mistress or something. <laughs> and oh my then, gosh, Lily, she's the one. Well, I'm not going to, no spoilers right. for today's she, episode. Right. So but this she is kept perfect, coming up. This is a perfect segue today's... to this episode. And if Emily, our wonderful guest, likes Harry Potter, we can really dive right in later to this because the ultimate debate at dinner was, is Voldemort the bad guy or is that lady who likes pink the bad guy? Well, on that of the note, movie or of the story, let, of let's, the, let, I, I would say on let's that put a note, pin in that because if I start yeah. talking about yeah. it, we'll be talking. I want to make sure we introduce. So today on this episode, we we are going to talk eventually about female villains, but we have with us today a very powerful woman who is not a villain, as far as I know. Welcome to the show. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the show, Emily um, Cordwick. I actually you. just realized I. You're from the Netherlands, and I'm positive I'm not pronouncing your, your last, last name properly. Could you, you give us actually, a little lesson? You, yes, you actually did it really well in the anglified version. Okay, but it is Korteweg. Korteweg. This is really fun for a podcast, as you guys. Gotta get the like like in Scheveningen. Scheveningen, yeah. It is. Um, it means short, short way, shortcut. Oh, but it's also a place. Really? Oh wait, oh you're you're. But you're oh, very tall. I'm you're very tall. You're I'm very tall, tall, but I take shortcuts. You know, you're tall, but you take shortcuts. Well, Emily Sorry, lived in the Netherlands. I, I would say Emily is a very a hardworking woman. She is very successful. Um, the COO and head of production at Watch This Ready, which has produced some phenomenal. Uh, award-winning films with a huge slate of upcoming projects um, in production right now is a movie that everyone will be hearing about if they haven't already called 80 for mm-hmm. Brady. Aunt Emily oversees Watch This Ready's entire slate of scripted and unscripted features, TV shows, podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. She has a film coming out now uh, called God's Time. And uh, she was also an associate producer on The Climb, which we all had the chance to see recently, which maybe we'll get to touch on a bit. Um, and she is just a, a force in the film world, a wonderful producer. And we're so excited to have you on the show. Welcome, Emily. Thank you so much. That introduction, I, I don't know if I deserve it, but I am like <laughs> clapping for someone else. But but it's, it's all real. <laughs> it's it's all things that you have uh, that you have accomplished. So you're from the Wait, Netherlands. You also have hung out with our mother in London. I have uh, on our. What oh, that that should actually go into your bio now. That you're going to have yeah. That should she hung out with the Corman siblings' yeah. mother. She is first of all so charming, <laughs> so charming. eloquent, so interested. Just like altogether fabulous, you know? And actually, I think any, we're talking about female villains. There's, you know, a villain denotes bad, but let's be honest, generally, and we'll get to it. It also means they're kind of fabulous most of the time. Yeah. So powerful, <laughs> fabulous. Powerful, fabulous. Um, so you are from the Netherlands. You yes. now are both in LA and New York. How did you find your way into not just producing, but producing in the States? And in and find yourself at you know where you're at now with Watch This Ready. Yes. So I truly would first say by sheer willpower, 
um, because I went to business school. I studied finance um, and literature, which many people, you know, didn't put together. And so, and I grew up in the Netherlands. I studied in London, but I grew up in the Netherlands. And so I didn't have a, a way into this industry at all. Um, but I always knew I wanted to do this. I just didn't know what this meant entirely. Um, then when I was 17, my parents were crazy enough to let me convince them that I had an internship planned. I, I actually had an internship planned, but I convinced them that I should go to LA for a month. And I worked for a record label called Concord Music Group that was affiliated with Village Roadshow and had, you know, got exposed to what that was. So I got a better sense of what it was. Um, I also um, met some other people that tripped and I did my actual degree. And then I got an internship at the Weinstein Company by physically knocking on the door in Seoul and saying, do you guys need an intern? <laughs> <laughs> and at the time, that was still, you know, a very great place to be that truly, I think, opened a lot of doors for me afterwards. But anyway, I then continued to dabble between both at school doing, you know, internships at private equity companies, which I hated. And at the same time, organizing and performing and performing arts things. And then when I was done in London, I, with my bachelor and my master's, I went to LA for two weeks. I declined two jobs in London, went to LA. Now get to the actual meat of it. I um, worked at an agency there. I got, ended up getting to an agency, which was amazing. Um, it's called Verve Talent and Literary Agency. Um, and I will always be extremely grateful for, to them because also visa issues included they took me on and they were young and growing which i really enjoyed because it meant that i could grow faster with them and create avenues that i don't think i could have done at you know the bigger ones so i was in the finance and packaging department for people listening that is you could call it the producing part of an agency where you put together features that are not studio features so you know, a studio director might have an independent script that you then put together the financing on that is related to the cast and everything else, but you don't actually go into production. And then I always knew I wanted to produce. This opportunity came about and I decided to take it. And I'm extremely happy that I did. It also, you know, the skill set that I gained at the agency was so valuable, but I always knew I wanted to not be a middleman. I wanted to make the thing, if not own it with the people that I work with. Yeah. So I was, my follow-up question I was going to ask. So you said you, you knew you always wanted to do this, even mm -hmm. though you weren't sure what this is and you find yourself eventually at a company like watch this ready. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering for you, what, as you have been on this journey and you're producing films, what is it that drives you? What types of stories do you want to make? Or how important is that to you in, you know, in terms of, of what you produce? It's first, I think it's extremely important to me. Um, and I think I become more and more aware of that because I look at the world and I understand the world better and I interact with it. So I, but when I say I, luckily I work at a place that, you know, where we all have the same um, mentality. We want to move people. And that can mean 
that means a variety of things. But to me, I kind of like to describe it as, you know, there's this button in humanity, in people, that if you press it, opens a door. And that button is like called... Um, is it's universal and it's i think called just our what we have in common it's our common humanity and if you manage to press that button and open that door then you can do a bunch of things but how do you press that button you do it by you know entertaining and entertaining can look different ways it can be making people cry laugh whatever but so i want to move people because i think our medium is extremely powerful i think if you can get various no matter how many people in a room, and that's why I still believe in the theatrical experience so much, if you can get various people in a room with different ideologies, but they walk away with the same feeling, then you um, can do something really powerful. And on, and besides that, I think that is not just in terms of the viewer's experience, it's also in the making process. I think there's something absolutely magical about you know a group of people coming together um, and really faster than any other industry they have to work harmoniously and synergetically and if they do it becomes this healthy body that just sprints um and that is i mean it sounds a strange analogy but um i think that's extremely cool and again i think it's extremely powerful and i we are just very intentional about what we make and all of that can live in very different worlds very different sizes we, you know, we have the rights to a space opera. We have the rights to a Michael Lewis book. We um, are making a Western and we have um, a family daisy chain romantic comedy. So there's so many, the worlds don't matter because it's about the characters in them that people will be able to relate to. Um, and so for me, that remains very important. And I think um the alternative of being more message driven first is not, doesn't stand the test of time as well. Even if it, there is a space for it, it's not what I'm interested in doing, you know? Well, that, thank you for sharing. Cause that's, that's character, uh, character driven is we talk a lot about the importance yeah. of great characters and great character, character arcs on this podcast. So we, we really development. Do appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what often moves us the most. Um, mm-hmm. Because we can relate to character, yeah, right? exactly. nothing else really. Yeah, and um, that leads to the next question of, you know, you've you, the company that Watch Us Ready has made, you know, several notable films: The Climb, Kicks, mm-hmm. Hunter Gather, and you're currently in production um, with Eighty for Brady, which mm-hmm. has a pretty high profile cast. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, wanted to know if you can tell us a little bit about the film or a little bit about, you know this next project absolutely so um just a note it's not extremely important but some of the watch is ready was really founded like fall 2019 january 2020 so michael and kyle who are the co-founders who are brilliant both businessmen and artists produced some of the movies you just mentioned before watch is ready's inception but clearly they're um on our site in terms of 84 Brady. Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of a legendary collection of human beings <laughs> deciding to come together. It was, um, um, Sarah Haskins and Emily Halpern, 
wrote the initial script. Mike and Kyle did some work on that as well. Michael Cavino and Kyle Marvin. And Kyle um, directed. They actually finished principal production last week. So it went very fast. And then it is Frida Marino, Lily Tomlin, Sally Field, and Jane Fonda. And Tom Brady. Which is incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Which is incredible. And, you know, I had the pleasure of meeting those ladies. And they are, first of all, it's really inspiring to watch them as as professionals. But also, you know, these women have actually been through the ringer when it comes to our industry. And I think we're very much standing on their shoulders in very many ways. But they're just funny and very down to earth and, and beautiful. So um that's them and then clearly tom brady great i haven't met him but that was fun and also i think the world knows about this movie more than anyone would have on another movie because tom brady the minute tom brady is involved the news platforms that it reaches the initial press release a lot more all of a sudden (laughs) yeah um and then but you know beyond the people on screen the producers our legendary Donna Gelati, it Hidden Figures, Silver Linings Playbook, Shakespeare in Love. The heads of department are amazing. There's John Toll, who's the DP who did Braveheart, and the last, wow. and uh, Vanilla Sky, and Almost Famous. And then costume is Betsy Glick. So it just is this wonderful. And I think the production designers, Wynn Thomas, who did A Wrong Still Do the Right Thing, and also Hidden Figures. So it's this amazing collection of people. Um, and yet it's still movie making. So there's still the, the ups and downs that you deal with, but I think overall, um, they're extremely excited. And also in what I was talking about earlier, like there is an optimism to the film that they bring to life so beautifully and so gracefully, you know, like there's comedy that isn't really, that they just managed to give an extra layer together with Mike and Cal that I think is really special. That is very exciting. I'm already <laughs> excited to see it yeah. and to see everything else that comes out of out of their out of your company. I mean, mm-hmm. really, really exciting stuff. And and to know, just speaking to you one on one and hearing from you that whatever you put out is going to have a focus on you know these principles of great characters with real mm-hmm. development. You know to bring people together to make us feel something and that's it's it's good to know there's someone out there doing doing the work (laughs) doing doing the real work and that compelling case is really important because i gotta tell you there are a few people in sports i hate more than tom brady as an eagles (laughs) fan and i really want to see this movie so yeah so i really my brother's very hard core i'm a you have to understand i you know i am as you hear not from here um and i my I've had to learn a lot about American football also because it is Michael's next film will have a um, peewee football element to it. Cool. Um, set in the nineties. <laughs> oh, wow. I can't say much more about it because we're <laughs> in the, in the process, it, but it's, it's, That's I awesome. think masterful, oh, yeah. but I don't, I don't know anything. Didn't know anything about American football. And so, you know, I've had to learn to appreciate it. And now I actually understand, you know, it is chess as well as war. 
So there is something yeah. that's really a, compelling yeah, that's about a great it. comparison. That's a great, it's a great way of explaining it. And, and if you haven't seen the show, we do highly recommend Friday Night Lights. I love if, Friday Night Lights. Okay. That's, okay. I, so the, if again, you like character, Friday Night Lights and your character, character do I understand right? why the, that game stops every 20 seconds and <laughs> there's a pile of people <laughs> and that is exciting? Not entirely, but I, character, character-driven Great show. Great characters. Loved it. Um, <laughs> if you want to, so, if you do want to understand like why the game is like the sort of mentality, if you haven't seen yet Any Given Sunday, Any Given Sunday goes into the primal love of that game and why people there's a lot of monologues in that movie about why the game and people is, play it and all mm, of that. yeah you know when, it, when you know pa- i saw um oh sorry go ahead go ahead no when al pacino or james woods or jamie fox are explaining to you like why they love the game it it, it crystallizes mm, Stone, yeah too i saw um the northman this week oh wow and there's oh, one yeah. that- how was that it was it was interesting. Yeah. No, it's solidly executed. I think some plot points, um, you know, went directions I didn't expect, but I still love Robert Eggers. And anyway, to not distract from what we <laughs> want to talk about, which is American football, there's a scene in there where a game gets played that I was like, this is this is you know, called rugby, called American football, a bit oh. more brutal at that time. But yeah, goes back goes back a long while. Goes back know. a long way. All right. Well, I'm <laughs> gonna watch out for that. So, in talking about great characters, one of the most interesting characters explored that we actually have not dedicated very much or time to it on this podcast are villains. And if we narrow it down even more, they're female villains, which is what we want to talk with you mm-hmm. about today, because we know that great character development is important to you. And, um, um, sorry, great character, great characters are very important to you and, you know, creating these arcs and, and evolution. And you and I have talked about the importance of nuance in storytelling and in characters. And so what do you think makes, or what are the things that make a great female villain versus let's say a forgettable one or an unimpressive one? How do you separate them out? Because there's, you know, epic ones, but they're not necessarily mm-hmm. very interesting or complex. Yeah. Yeah. I think no matter what, what makes a great female villain is that they are just exhilarating to both men and women and arguably for different reasons, yet overlapping ones. Um, think they're dangerous and focused and impenetrable in a very, you know, they, they, they're exhilarating. They, they don't necessarily look back or if they do, they don't sit on it for very long. And I think that is physically and mentally exciting <laughs> and empowering. And I, to that, the empowering point, I think, you know, Maybe the ones that are the most memorable are the ones where you do get a peek into the why. And yet, I think actually that maybe sometimes you don't want the why because we it is it is it is uncommon to see a woman like disregard conventions mm-hmm. and considerations mm-hmm. and fear 
in a very real way. And to see it, even if that means they can be actually heinous people that are very unforgiving, there is something incredible about it. And, you know, that's why like, I think, Becky, when we this came up briefly, I said to you, Emma by Pablo Lorraine is this woman who just, you know, leaves wreckage in her wake. She sets everything on fire and hurts a bunch of people. And for some reason, every woman I've spoken to loves that movie and mm. i think there are so many more people like that again though do i think that they're the most memorable if they seem so in the extreme not looking back impenetrable but then still have a peek into the why even if it's a sliver even if it's a hint in the eyes or just a moment where one thing gets said that is not justifying your behavior i don't think i think the ones that are memorable are where they're not being justified because why do we need to be justified for once? Can we just say, not be justified? I have to say <laughs> I am with you with that. I, I don't, I mean, I guess a villain has to have a motivation. They have to have a thing they're trying mm-hmm. to do. But I, I think sometimes when they overly try to uh, complex, uh, complexify, that's not a word, to make a, a villain <laughs> so complex and so justified in their actions, then they lose mm-hmm. their villainness. Right. Like, yeah. And they, they then then they lose their edge and they're kind of I was actually we were just talking about. Are you familiar with the X-Men movies? Yeah. OK, so we we're talking about the X-Men movies yesterday. And one of the reasons why I don't like the Jennifer Lawrence, the evolution of the Jennifer Lawrence version of Mystique is that mm. like they could. I think because possibly because Jennifer Lawrence is such a big star, like they, they couldn't not make that character so complex that she wasn't a villain anymore. And and X Men mm-hmm. has gray villains and things like that, but it took the, it took the evilness out of the character and the edge off mm-hmm. of it because they decided to make it so complex. So and when Becky I, and I, I love looking your take. at when Becky and I were looking at lists of villains and talking about villains and kind of getting breaking it down, she kept coming up and I kept being like to Becky, but she's not. She's so nice. Because <laughs> I only know the yeah. movies. I'm like is she that bad? I don't know. Is I feel like we get a lot of backstory. She's very cute. Totally. And, and to friendly. that point, I completely agree. And to that point, I think, um, again, them being forgiving, that's not, then we were, why do they have to be, why do they have to be justified and forgiving? You know, like, for, I, I think to the earlier point of what do we want to make, I'll piggyback off that. I We want to, um, I think a lot of material right now is, base and even conversation a lot is just based on fear a lot of people are operating from fear and i don't know if you can blame them because it's a slip you know there's uh, many there's many wrong steps you can take some for good reason that they're being held accountable but it also creates a certain um atmosphere if you will and i think when creating a female villain there's a fear of like oh how do we make sure that she's not seeing being seen as this or like there's a fear Mm -hmm. of being judged on her character rather than saying i don't care the same way that this woman doesn't care she is just going to be and that the ability for a woman to just be whatever the hell she decides to be is empowering even if it's bad you know Um, well i i think i think that's so we rarely see that with female characters you know, regardless of if they're the hero or the villain, right? Allowing them to, mm-hmm. you always have to like, over explain who they are. Now, so I agree mm-hmm. with you. Now, 
once you're in the world of who that female villain is, and she is, you know, creating her wreckage as you, as you say, (laughs) you know, um, I like a character with texture, you know, they Mm -hmm. can have Mm -hmm. that purpose, but where there's within which you can tell that they're calculating or that there's nuance Mm -hmm. in their decision-making either, or they're tech, you know, they have that they have some sort there's of consideration, right? I think consideration. you, you can see brilliant. them. You can see, I think that's a very good point. And texture is clearly extremely important to character. I think if you can know that they are considering, but then still decide whatever they're about to do, that is really interesting because then mm-hmm. you can see, you know, it's a decision. It's not a reaction. It's a decision to still do what they are just about to do. Mm-hmm. Shy yeah. Lily, anything yeah. else to to add? I, 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 I'm just I'm loving this. I'm loving this riff because there are so many. Okay, so the sheriff of Nottingham, right? Who I think Alan Rickman's <laughs> sheriff of Nottingham, or Alan Rickman. Every time you have Alan Rickman, but Alan Everything, Rickman, mm-hmm. Alan Rickman and Die Hard, and Alan Rickman of Sheriff Nottingham are two of my favorite movie villains of all the times of mm-hmm. all time. The, they don't they don't really waste time and waste energy not every good not every villain has to be redeemed and not every villain has to have some childhood trauma that oh makes you feel bad for them they don't all and need I, a joker movie and, and, well exactly shy has think, a lot of issues with too many origin stories lily on the other hand wants all I the origin that. stories <laughs> I, so we're well, very split on this podcast but my point <laughs> my, my, my point is is i love that i love now that we're threading this through the lens of female villains i think that i love the idea that you don't need to cheat a female villain of that level of malevolence right um that's a good uh, point because you don't because, you don't for with men you don't do it for sure no yeah and and also the, the question. Also, I'm fully talking out loud because this is not me having thinking out loud. This is not mm-hmm. me having a conclusion on my thoughts on it. I just love this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you think about it, the minute you give a lot of reason to your point, are there is it still a villain? If you think of Medea, right, who was written BC and murdered her own children yeah. and husband, but yeah. that that is. That's an extreme dilemma. <laughs> like an unforgiving thing to do. No, but but then we have so much understanding of her reason for it that you feel for her, right. which is a very complex thing to sit in when you're reading it during you're killing your children, but also I understand your rage. Um, and so you you the the level of villainous is reduced, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah. riffing out yeah. loud. <laughs> no, I, um, I I agree. I, I see what you're saying. It like that's what we're kind of we're all circling here is that when you you can you can reduce the level of villainous, you know, of, of the evilness if you over explain. Maybe perhaps that's what we're talking mm-hmm. about. Um, so we've covered what you know generally what what moves us when it comes to a great villain. Now. I'm going to assume that because of maybe we're all different people, we've grown up in different different places than you. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, perhaps Lily Shy and I have uh, know some some pop culture villains that you're mm-hmm. less familiar with. And mm-hmm. I want to play a game 
where each of us are going to pitch you a villain. Oh yes. I'm ho- hopefully you, maybe you're, maybe you're less familiar with some of them. We're just going to pitch you a villain. And then yes, you it's have actually to good. choose. What? If I don't know the villain, the pitch has to be even stronger. It has to be so really good. It has to, exactly. If you don't know, them, it has to be really good. Um, and then you have to select of those three villains. I mean, she, she could rank them. Shy. We could have her do a buy rent math. Oh yeah, that's great. So this is like a that's mix great. of. So this we're going to mix two games. This is the first time we're going to do this. It's pitch imperfect, is what we call it. Where pitch imperfect <laughs> is a very broad game. We have to pitch you something, but then you have to rank them according to the official ranking system of Friday Night Movie, which is top one is buy, like if you remember mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. buy it, rent, <laughs> yes, back when you'd rent things. <laughs> but meh can be, we don't really like to have, because we are lovers of all things movies, It meh, meh doesn't have to be the lowest as much as it, it's just the outlier. It can be neutral. It, it can, can be, be the, the most, lowest. Yeah. It can, can be the one you up. like the least. It could be the one you're the least familiar with, the one you're least moved by. You know, or it can be you one can that interpret it. I don't, you didn't, you know, you didn't make a compelling case, so I'm giving it a push, right? So, <laughs> so, so, so buy gonna... rent, and, and what was meh. the third one? Meh, meh, meh. Oh, meh. great, meh, meh. meh. Okay, exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's the spirit of the game. Exactly. And, and however you deliver your meh is is the spirit of what you're saying. So exactly. I think each of us should take one, and we we have had our own notes, but I would my I'm my sisters don't know that my. My take is not on our list because I oh. I'm playing my cards close to the vest. Oh. Mm. Okay, bring it on, so, guys. Bring all right, it on. so um, I can go first unless one of you two no, wants you to go first. You go first. first I only want to go mind. first. I'm, I'm afraid really Shy pissed. wants to do the same one as me. Yours is not. Is yours that. also not on the list? No. no. Oh, mine's on no, the list. Which I, oh, Shy says he's not on the list. I, Mine I, is on I'm the list. I'm keeping my cards close to the vest. Okay, so I'm picking this one because I specifically know Emily is not familiar with oh, no. the Avatar <laughs> no. universe, with Avatar: The Last Airbender. Universe. Neither That's am not I. Not the blue so people be... that James. Cameron no, not made. the blue people. Yeah, I thought. The, I, I, okay, the, great. The Nickelodeon <laughs> uh, animated show for children, but really for everyone because it's by, phenomenal. By the way a masterpiece in character driven storytelling is yeah avatar it's incredible the best forget animated it's the best story i can hold on television so and everybody that watches it feels the same as them i i have not seen it yet lily we have to get on this then we, I, lock ourselves obsessed, in obsessed do it show. it's it's <laughs> as a kid who grew up with not star just wars them. As a, I just I want you to know, as a kid who grew up with Star Wars, where Star Wars' shine has definitely been damaged in the last 10 mm-hmm. years, my saving grace is that the Avatar universe that Brian Konietzko and Michael Dante DiMartino created is like still perfect and unsullied mm-hmm. and like unruined. So mm-hmm. that like that's the universe that I love now. So that's, All right. that's how good. Bring it on. Becky, okay. give it to me. <laughs> okay. I haven't practiced this yet, so hopefully I don't fumble too much. Okay, so in this universe, I won't obviously be explaining the universe to you. There is a young female villain. Her name is Azula. She is the daughter of the most powerful lord, the most powerful villain in this whole universe. And from a young age, we know Azula, Azula has a little, has a little evil spot in her she has a darkness in her she takes pleasure from her brother her younger brother's pain 
She Mm -hmm. enjoys mocking him and seeing him humiliated. And this type of behavior is rewarded by her father. And she grows into this sneaky, conniving uh, firebender, which is her her power, her skill. Oh, that's cool. But Azula, (laughs) as the daughter has to work, you know, twice as hard, 10 times as hard to prove her worthiness still. In doing so, she develops an extraordinary power where she can shoot lightning from her hands, which is, you know, unmatched by anyone else. And as she grows in power, her mind slowly breaks and she goes crazier and crazier until she's absolutely insane with like lightning shooting out of her hands and losing her mind and trying to destroy everyone around her so she can, you know, claim the throne for herself and she'll take anyone down with her in order to do so. So that's Azula, I think one of the one of the great villains of the of the Avatar universe. And then also because the character's and I'll just add this because it's a great oh, okay. choice. She is one <laughs> That's of the your great... Help your sister. I, I want to say, I think Azula is <laughs> one of the greatest villains ever. Um, uh, because the characters are teenagers, they oh, yeah, also, teenager. the show also grapples with their social settings and she is the ultimate mean girl, like bully of her best friend. <laughs> Does not know how to not be a mean girl, right? In every way, shape, and, and so form. And so the social relationships are, she right. is genocidal, but she is also like socially genocidal. So she's like is, a teenage mm-hmm. mean girl. Uh, um, like a queen bee. So yeah. Lily, do you, do you want to go or That's do you true. want me to go? You go, you go. Okay. So I, I actually had like two options. Both of the options that I'm that I'm drawing from, I'll I'll pick one and commit to it, and then I'll tell you the other one. <laughs> are are mothers that are evil, and the reason why I picked a mother that is evil is that you you hung out with our mom. Our mom. <laughs> it makes the, total sense. Great segue, Shai. <laughs> no, our mom is the best. Like. Yeah, the sacredness is. of moms in our life, um, both like our mother, our grandmothers, my wife as a mother, my sisters as mothers, like they're saints in my world, right? So the idea that a mother and a maternal figure is evil and on top of that working against their child um, and almost like sucking from them and, this, you know, uh, feeding off of them. Uh, is the most kind of terrifying concept to me. So I'm going to go with the mother character from Coraline, um, oh. play, voiced by Terry Hatcher, That's because the, the the actual, you know, the evil spider mother, not the real life mother, because mm-hmm. the idea that uh, a, a mother could... I don't think there's anything more insidious and terrifying than a mother... Uh, using maternal gifts and maternal um, uh, 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 sort of um, protection uh, as a way of serving their own and feeding their own evil. And and just that the vision of her trying to sew the buttons onto the eyes of oh. her of of her own of, of of the daughter so that she can feed off of her spirit to me is truly just one of the most terrifying things so i'm going to go with her i will say my my alternate choice which i'm not picking is the queen alien 
for similar reasons in uh, for, for, for similar reasons. But I think the scarier one, because there is that truly maternal component is is the mom from Carlin. You know, what's going to be sorry before Liddy goes, what's going to be Please, you, go you're ahead. putting me in an interesting position, which <laughs> is I'm going to have to basically say who is who got the best pitch, but ba I'm going to have to like suggest I promote these insidious people or <laughs> these insidious <laughs> characters. Like, yeah, a mother who feeds up her child, she wins. <laughs> this is precarious, guys, but I am here for it. Okay, keep going. Are you done? Sorry. I'm done. Okay. That was it. That was it. Okay. Great pitch. Intense. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Mine is not a cartoon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's true. I don't know if you are familiar with the show sons of anarchy mm -hmm. are you i am oh okay is that bad should i switch mine no 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 Lily, with okay. Lily, stop Lily, trying to cheat. no no because i know because i don't cheat. know if it's better if she doesn't know the character i don't know no, it's, i think I, it doesn't matter okay. we're saying doesn't it doesn't matter, matter but we have matter. to work twice okay. as hard if she doesn't oh okay but i and i think that there have been some great female, like I was struggling with Cersei because I think as a mm -hmm. viewer, you know, like I think she is one of the most evil characters ever created, but there's something that I, I kept going back to. I really, really thought about this and I kept going back to Gemma. I think Gemma Teller is one of the great villains of mm -hmm. our time and doesn't get enough credit, I don't think, in pop culture as, you know, she wasn't, I don't think she was on any of the lists that Becky and I looked at in the conversations we had, but Becky brought her up. Didn't you bring her up, Beck? Mm -hmm. I think when we were talking and I was like, oh my God, that's so, it's so brilliant because it's literally of Shakespearean proportions. The show is based on Hamlet and the story of Hamlet, but it mm -hmm. elevates, I think, the drama of the tragedy because of her character, I think that, you know, and if you're familiar with her, she is the matriarch of this um, big um, motorcycle gang in uh, California, in Southern California, and the mother Northern of California. The, Northern California. Northern, oh, sorry, it's Northern yeah. California. Um, and it's the, um, the, she is the mother of the heir to the motorcycle gang and so if you for lack of a better term he's going to basically become the the head of the i don't remember all the like gang terms now because i saw it so long ago but she she is basically ushering in this new era as the father dies right but it was you know known all along that she clearly was aware of the murder of the original father uh, or the original like, head of the gang and she what I love about her villainous character is that everything to her is justified. She mm. does not know she's a villain. She doesn't believe she's a villain. Everything she's doing is for her family, for her children, similar in a sense to Cersei, but Cersei, I think, you know, is a little bit more empty. Whereas Gemma, there's a, there's a, such a texture, as Becky said, her, out, her clothing, her hair, her nails, mm. her face, everything about her body language infuses this character with a humanity, but a humanity that doesn't, as a viewer, justify it. I mean, it doesn't take away from her villainous, you know, extremes as she murders her son's wife, thinking that that is the right thing to do. To, to think that you're so right that you could 
murder the mother of your grandchildren <laughs> to justify your being right is, is so extreme. And then taking it a step further, I know Gertrude in Hamlet obviously dies, but it's it's a much different circumstance. But in this, it's the son that kills her. He shoots her. And, and to, in a way, to it's almost the most merciful thing to do because she can't handle being ostracized from this club. Like she wouldn't have, be able to live because it means everything to her. And he almost like puts her down at the end of the, at the end of the show, which is mm. terrible, mm -hmm. but it also in a way is this, that the only thing the son can do for his villain of a mother. It's so, it's so to me, that, that's rich. so interesting because so think tragic. about it in a villain, in a villain that's so extreme that the only way to end their arc is essentially to have them put down, like put down, put down exactly. like an animal in that and, like. And, true what, and what you're I think, making compelling case here. What I think Gemma. is really interesting is that Gertrude in Hamlet, who's you know, the, the, I mean, obviously it's Shakespeare, right? It's mm -hmm. ultimate. She it's debated if she kills herself or not. She drinks poison at the end of the of the play. She dies. It was a tragedy. Everybody dies, right? But. In, it, it, he could have done that. Kurt Sutter could have had Gemma kill herself or accidentally die. There's many different ways to end that story arc of this incredible villain, but the choice of having it be her son, it's just so intense. I think it, mm -hmm. it really brings her character full circle. And to me, she wins. Like it, it's, it's a beautifully, I think, you know, developed villain in my yeah. opinion. This is, this is very hard. I will say. So what's your favorite? What's your favorite brand of evil? She does have lightning come out of her hands. Mean, but... mean girl, mean girl who wants to control everyone around her. You and know, like a the high bender. Yeah, the high school bitch that just gets out of control. I mean, a high school bitch the, can be terrifying. Can so. be really scary. <laughs> um, the soul sucking mother or the oh, two mothers. Wow, that sounds actually also very interesting. Mm. Two mother characters. So sucking oh, yeah. mother or the matriarch of a motor gang who kills her son's wife. This is I mean, truly... and essentially her husband. She is involved in the yes. plot of her husband. This is so difficult. <laughs> um, I don't, I can't wait too long because I'm, I'm being. Just go with your gut. Just go with, go with go my gut. Here's what I'll say. I'm trying to separate my knowledge of these characters because I know Gemma Teller and I know What's in Coraline? What's is it the bell? That, what's what's uh, what's yeah, it called? Yeah, it's it's something like that. I I just know it as yeah. the mom, but yeah, the mom. Yeah, she yeah. has she has a name. Yeah, it's the Beldum or something like that. It's the yeah. So okay, I'm trying to separate me. Or I'm literally trying to just evaluate your pitch. I think I'm gonna have to. Shall I start with the winner or the renter? I, <laughs> I think I'm gonna buy. I think I'm gonna buy Lily's Gemma Teller. That's a. I mean, that's a great choice. I mean, I, I normally. I mean, I, I. We can't argue. We can't argue. It's, it's, it's a, literature, it, but, so I feel like <laughs> Lily. Like I really. No, but I'm trying her. to remove that. I think if, but may, maybe here's why. She's so it's actually maybe in the face a little bit because we do get a lot of backstory. But again, if we're talking about the texture of it being a decision and doing regardless, that's how your pitch very much talked about her. You right. know, we see her 
decision making and doing it regardless and not looking back. And, really. and, and they don't give you. I mean, you know a little bit about Gemma, but but you actually right, but, most of what right. you see of Gemma is in the moments of the show. It's in the moment, they you don't, don't learn tell about you like, oh, she was a traumatized or... kid, and that's why she's right. They the don't sugarcoat her evilness. Yeah. yeah. Do I have to give a meh? Meh. No, I don't. I never I mean, play Lily by the rules. Lily <laughs> cheats all the time. All the time. So okay, I will rent. I will rent Azula and the Beldum. I do think <laughs> nice. Azula is amazing. Um, but 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 Shay, I gotta say, and this is me again. I'm trying to remove my own emotions from it. Maybe the Beldum is just too hard to digest to be a villain that we find empowering. If we're talking about a villain having to a female villain having to be empowering, I don't know if she feels that way to me, you know. Well, I think I'll say that you can I mean, Azula and Gemma have moments where their power is contagious to the audience. Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. Beldum is just terror as far as exactly, exactly. there's nothing that makes you uh, makes me want to identify with them whereas there are moments especially if you watch you know the, the airbender show when azula because she's also yeah. a great military strategist right when she is like achieving these incredible victories yeah where you're like wow this this lady knows what she's doing like she's a boss yeah it's a very good she thing to add actually it's contain their power is contagious if we're told like you know i was thinking a lot that someone I quote regularly <laughs> is Meryl Streep, the devil wears Prada. Ah, that was on our <laughs> list. She was on okay, our I list. Won't say I mean, much I don't more. even know if she's a villain. I won't to say be much honest. more. I don't even know if she's a villain because I think I it's won't one say of the much best more. characters ever. <laughs> ever. And also contagious. Like you, you, you want to be able yeah. to say, a... and I think this often and then I don't say it, but I think. By all means, move at a glacial pace. You know how much that thrills me. Because <laughs> I sit and I'm like, yes, all you people keep considering rather than deciding. <laughs> I love it. I feel like that's such a high note to go out on here on our on our conversation about female villains. Thank you for <laughs> indulging us. Thank you so much, Ellie, for giving us your time and for indulging us. Before we say goodbye um do you have anything that either you've been watching listening to reading that you want to recommend it doesn't have to be anything new it could just be anything that you love or something new mm -hmm. that that's out that you've been enjoying yes i um i think severance is exceptional yeah on apple really good by ben stiller yes. i think the fact that he chose primarily a comedic cast is brilliant uh, I was just really impressed with how that was executed and how engaged I was in one. You know, I thought it was accepted. Mm -hmm. it it, and it discussed so many things without overtly doing it. So I thought that was exceptional. Um, I recently watched a film that was recommended by me to me by a director named Elvira Lind. It was also very brilliant. It's called Open Hearts by Suzanne Beer, who clearly went on to do great things. But it's from 2002. It's really great. I really recommend it. It's a Dogma 95 film. Oh, um, cool. And then, you know, I've been watching a lot of 90s fair, early 90s fair. And I think, actually, if we also want to name one that has some villains in it, I rewatched Death Becomes Her. Ah, oh, oh Lily God. and I talked and a lot about that movie in the last week. That was a childhood 
favorite, favorite of, ours. of ours. Childhood favorite. Any, I probably saw it 20 times 20 as a kid. Times. It was for on VHS. Listener, yeah, for any listener who hasn't I'm so watched glad it. You, I'm so glad you brought that up. How yes. great is it? It is hilarious. It is ridiculous. And somehow, it, you know, it, it's so... I also, hot take... I think if we talk about Meryl Streep, who is Meryl Streep mm-hmm. um, in so many great films, I think maybe she, when I am reminded the most of how great she is, it's when she does roles like that. When she does ones that are not dramatic, but when you're like, oh, you can play this this insane, not insane, this, this extreme person right. with yeah. such flair and fun. So th- those are some. There's a lot more, but they're also very different, which is interesting. It's Severance, <laughs> Open Hearts, and Death Becomes but that, You know, but <laughs> but as you were saying, it's it's about great story and great characters, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. can take any shape or form. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I want to, for my recommendations, I want to, because we also give ours, I want to key off of yours saying Death Becomes Her, because Death Becomes Her, everyone talks about Meryl Streep. I think the brilliance of Goldie Hawn is yes. also really I mean, important. they're both amazing. Goldie Hawn is just, like, I, I feel like there's an entire genre of comedy and women totally. that, that, that Goldie Hawn embodies. And a show that I love, that my sisters, recom- like, sort of half recommended to me, but I'm just super into, is The Flight Attendant. And I feel we like have, if We you... full-on recommended it to you. Well, no, I mean, no, no. You recommended it. We full on recommended it. it. We just weren't sure, sure if it was, was for like. him. You weren't sure I was going to Oh, like. oh I yeah, weren't sure. love it. And what I love of it is I feel like Kaylee, Kali Kuoko, I, we still, I still can't get her. I got to get her last name. But Kaylee Kuoko. It's okay. I feel like if they were doing this movie 30 years ago, like that Goldie Hawn would be the person in that role. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the Goldie Hawn-ness of that show makes me so happy that I, I just, I'm so into it. Um, so that's my, I mean, I'm starting season two and I think season two is as good or better uh, than season one. And so I, mm-hmm. I love that. And I give the, so the highest award you can give in, in our, our show is called an I told you show, which is you have to call the people who recommended you a show, a genius, and they get an I told you show award. So I give my sisters the, I told you yeah. show for, um, but I'm giving it to you both equally. You have to share Cause I don't remember sure. which of you went in first on it. So. The flight attendant, Lily and Becky, you are geniuses. I told you. Shay. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Much appreciated. Anything else you're watching, Shay? Just that? Uh, I just, I, I finished the second season of Mythic Quest, which uh, talk about really interesting female characters. Charlotte Nick Dow's character of Poppy Lee is super interesting. And that's a show that like every season starts off zanier comedy, and then it takes like a dramatic turn and is, is, is almost like it feels artistic for the last three or four episodes. Mm. I really recommend that show. I think that's a really show show that defies expectations. Will, what about you? I recommend The Climb, which uh, to big time because I I enjoyed that and a lot, and I like that kind of humor, sort of just really um, yeah, dark comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, is my jam, and you can find it on I believe Hulu and uh, Apple. I watched TV. it on. Uh, I watched it on Stars last night. Oh, okay. yeah, the, Stars, or the other night, Amazon. Ago, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I watched it on Hulu, and so um, I really en- enjoyed the that that movie a lot. And so I very much recommend it because I don't Thank think you. that you. 
I feel like the, those kinds of films are few and far between where you just get these like a, these characters and that sort of painful like realism of life. Truly imperfect. Funny. I mean, yeah. truly imperfect people mm. like the opposite yeah. of your black and white villain hero mm. hero story kind of thing and, I, mm. and i'll say the the there's a scene in that movie where they're filming a where they film a christmas party almost entirely from the outside of the house and it's mm -hmm. like the camera's like circling around the house that i yeah. thought was one of the most creative and compelling chapter because the movie's told in chapters like one of the most compelling chapters of a movie i've ever seen is the is the way in which that is filmed and you you're following the story around the building and it's like mm -hmm. circling in and in as it gets more I, intense i did really think the camera work and the cinematography was really interesting especially in the opening scene mm -hmm. when you're when they're the two friends are yeah biking. that opening two main characters are, are biking <laughs> And actually, no, imagine, sure. imagine the opening sequence is on another level. Yeah. Oh, imagine. Well, first of all, thank you, Lily and Shay and Becky, all of you. Um, Mike Wankawa, clearly the the brain trust behind that. I will say, tell him. Hopefully you can get an opportunity to talk to them as well. Mm -hmm. But um, and the DP on that film, Zach Cooper scene, I did an amazing job like that scene around the house think all the apple boxes in new york state went to this <laughs> tiny 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 movie um truly and it you know it was executed a bit like a play in terms of the opening scene i think also imagine that the two guys riding up that hill 40 times yeah <laughs> one whole day of rehearsal one whole day of shooting are also the director and, and the, both the writers and the right. producers right. so that you know those are elements that from behind behind the scenes i uh, really both enjoy in terms of respect them also that it, i find it funny how they torture themselves to get to the brilliance that they do. So, so first of all, I was out of breath watching that, but also I didn't know anything about the movie. I don't really like trailers, and so mm. I, I don't. I didn't know anything about the movie going into it. I just Me knew about two friends. I thought that the whole movie was going it's on to the be bike. A Me conversation too. over a bike ride. <laughs> Me too. And I was I, so. I was. Were so, you panicking a little? I, I, I wasn't, wasn't panicking, panicking, but I was, I was like absorbed in it. Me I was too. Like, What's gonna happen? Me too. I was like, is it possible that this whole <laughs> movie takes place on this road? Be, just be amazing. ready. I, I, I had the exact same thought. And I was fixated <laughs> on that. That's another. That's another. That's another one of those moments in the part, parts in the movie where the tension of yeah. Like it's very mundane in some ways. They're having a conversation. They're talking about mm -hmm. whatever, but the tension ratchets up and ratchets up as the relationship is coming through, as they're breathing. And I'm like, oh my God, this is, it's called the climb. Are they just going to be climbing the mountain the whole time? It was, it was, it was really be. Thank you. So yes, we all fully, fully endorse and uh, and recommend the climb. Um, before we sign off, Emily, is there anywhere on social media people can follow you, or that you want to be followed? Or so I, I am, uh, I am not on social media. I decided to be that very, modern, that modern. That very I'm very smart of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, our website, watchthisready.com, um, allows you to sign up as well. Um, we will probably soon launch our social media. But we, we like to be 
under the radar until we're not, you know? Um, so check out the website, watchisready.com. We'll also soon be having some swag that we're selling there, which or giving, <laughs> depending on. <laughs> we hope you like swag because yeah. we said oh, I love Friday swag. Night Movie swag. So I love swag. I actually yes. asked the team, I was like, we need baby socks. Watch is ready, baby <laughs> socks. Um, and one thing I want to mention is there is um, a movie that I produced in the fall of 2020 in New York City called Godstein premiering at Tribeca uh, opening Friday, which should be an absolute blast. Um, don't know yet when it's going to be released. Thank you. But so anyone in New York City, come along. That is so exciting. So it's, it's showing now in Tribeca. Yeah, June 10th, 8.30 p.m. is this, the premiere. This year. This is so mm-hmm. exciting. That's amazing. Yeah. It's fun. June it was 10th. made when no one was... Um, I think we were genuinely the first non-studio bubbled up film in New York City shooting a movie in October 2020. It was interesting. Wow. That's cool. so exciting. Yeah. That makes um, me think back to Vanilla Sky. You mentioned the, the DP from Vanilla Sky, which I think is one of the most beautifully mm, shot movies. And I'm movies. thinking of that empty, the empty Times Square. Square. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Um, all right. Uh, you can follow me at Paper BK Princess on Twitter, though with the warning that I don't tweet, but I am <laughs> technically on there. Lily, where can people follow you? Same kind of warning. Chichi, C-H-I-C-H-I-K Gomez on Twitter. But again, I like, I'll like i like your stuff, but I don't usually tweet. And Shai, oh, bring I, I absorb all of the social media activity for the family. <laughs> I am at Pancake for Table. That's Pancake and the number for Table on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, all of the Friday Night Movie shenanigans are at Fry Night Movie on Twitter and Instagram. Friday, New- Friday Night Movie Pod dot com is where you can see the latest episodes and you or listen to the latest episodes as well and sign up for our newsletter that we have kept our commitment of way less than once a month. In fact, I think we're going on maybe one every six months at this rate, which is really exciting. <laughs> I think that's the best promise you can make anyone with having a newsletter. And <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, uh, I just signed up for Watch This Ready, so I'll find out how you're how you all do. Um, and uh, our theme music will kick in actually later in the post production part, but it is by What Does It Eat? And uh, I think that's is that it for our show. Yeah, yeah that's, that's all. Bye, Thanks. guys. Thank you so much, Emily. Bye. Thank you Thank so you much. Have a lovely day. Thank Bye. you.